Amen. His love endures what? Forever, forever. Hey, I'm going to invite Miss Marianne up here. Where is she? Here she is. And uh, you're about to hear testimony from the glowing tree that is going to bless you. So I wanted uh, you just to have that theme in your mind, his love endures forever, before you heard her speak this morning. Thank you, Pastor John, for this opportunity. For me, the glowing treat um, started a few weeks before we really did anything because I was planning to do two um, trunks, well, one trunk and a pickup. And, and so I'm going to talk about my car and the, the display in there. And I'd planned to put some things in the trunk and be pretty easy to set up and to take down and be, you know, a, a good display. And on Sunday after church, when I was starting to put things together, God told me that I didn't have it right. And I thought, oh, darn, <laughs> you know, all that work. Um, but he told me what he wanted me to do was to do a, a sign and then a display that says, let Jesus light your path. And so that's what I did. I made a new sign, and I found some things here at the church to make a path that came out of the back of my van and down onto the ground, and a couple of flashlights, and that was my display. And as the night went on, the kids started coming, and, and Wendy, Pastor Wendy, had given me some of those little tiny flashlights, you know, that the kids could put on their finger. And I had a whole bunch of those, like five boxes worth. So I was giving those all out to kids and having really a pretty good time. And, oh, it was probably around 8 o'clock, so we were kind of winding down. And a lady came up between my car and Patrick's pickup. So she came from the back of my um, display and up and said to me, aren't you Marianne? And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and I'm, my head's going, I wonder who she is. And um, she says, do you recognize me? And I said, no, with the darkness here and, and the light situation, I can't see your face very good. And she says, well, she says, I used to work at a store, and you would come into the store two times a week and, and buy some things, and we would talk. And so I says, oh, I remember who you are. You know, I know who you are. How are you? And she said, I'm not doing well. She says, I'm having a really a hard time. And she says, you probably don't recognize me because I have lost all of my hair. And immediately I knew that this lady was um, probably having some chemotherapy for cancer. She didn't come right out and tell me that, but, you know, I, I thought that that's probably what was going on in her life. She had a son with her that looked to me to be around 10 to 12 years old. And so I said to her, um, well, I'm really sorry that you're having this much difficulty in your life, that your path is really hard right now, I says, I have some lights here in my hand, and I had a whole handful of those little lights, and so I gave them to her. And I says, I want you to know that these lights represent Jesus' light. 
and he will light your path every single day on this journey that you're on. And the road will, is hard, and the road is probably going to get harder. But Jesus is always there to light your light. And remember, at part of this journey is your journey to salvation. And Jesus will be there for your salvation. And she began to cry, and I began to cry, and I've been crying ever since, so I had to bring my tissue. Um, that she said that that's exactly what she needed to hear, and she thanked me for that. And I thank Jesus for allowing me to be his messenger. And then I remember that this journey that, that we're on together started probably at least six months ago when I started talking to her at the store. And I did talk to her twice a week. And every time I talked to her, there was something about Jesus. And that inspired her, and it helped her to remember that this is where I go to church. And she had been driving past on her way, and she was not planning to come. And she remembered that this is where I come to church. So she came. And so I just wanted to share that with you. And I wanted to thank God again for allowing me to be his messenger. Here, I have a card for you. Thank you, Marianne. Just a thank you card. Um, man, that's, an, that's what we like to call inspiring, right? And uh, if you remember last week, uh, I mean, several times leading up to the event, we prayed for divine appointments. And that's what we call a divine appointment. Man, it is worth it when you, uh, you talk to the gas station checkout person and, and the, the person at the fish counter. Pastor Wendy told me that when they would go to the store, her mom would go to the fish counter and Pastor Wendy would go do all the rest of the shopping and mom would still be talking. So, uh, man, totally worth it. What an inspiring story. Man, your inspiration to me, Marianne. Thank you for who you are and what you do. Uh, man, what a blessing to hear that testimony. Uh, we've already got a lot of ideas for next year about the glowing treat. Um, we had about as many people as we could handle on the property, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, so we've got a lot of good ideas to, to uh, receive some more people, and I can't wait to see how it turns out. Um, uh, one more thing before we get into the message. We would be remiss if we don't mention uh, that we've got elections coming up on Tuesday, right? If you, are, uh, if you ever walk outside your door, you've heard about it. You've seen the signs, and you've seen the news, and you've seen social media maybe, all that stuff. We're going to take a moment and pray over that day on Tuesday here in a moment. But as your pastor, the pastor of the church, I want to take a moment just to remind you of a few scriptures that comfort me. Uh, just help me stay centered when we get towards politically divided things like this. Um, I want you to know this. We can have our opinions and our discussions. We had a really good one on Tuesday morning at a men's breakfast. Um, but God's word is the only thing that will never fail us. Here's what God's word says about politics and elections, Daniel 2, 20 and 21. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful 
and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with those scriptures sometimes because I want to get in people's face, you know? <laughs> but then I'm reminded of what the Bible says. And what those scriptures tell me and what I want to encourage you with really quickly before we pray is that God is in control. He is. Um, even if it seems like the whole stinking thing is on fire, God sees and he knows what's going on, and he is going to help us to find our place in all of it. It's going to help all of you to find your place in all of it. Those scriptures, they tell me that we should submit to those that are in authority over us. Not that we should live in a way that's sinful. I'm not telling you to do that, and I don't believe the word of God is telling you to do that, but God has established those who are in authority. I kind of wish it said, be subject to the governing authorities as long as you agree with them at least a little bit. But it doesn't say that. <laughs> what these tell me is that no matter what, we should be praying over all of this. The election's on Tuesday. The day those who are elected, those who will govern going forward, those of us who continue to buy the United States, and we do live in the greatest country in the world. Not many places do they have the resources that we have, the freedom to come do what we're doing today. And there's so much uncertainty. I know that. But what I do know, what I'm thankful for, is that when it comes to our salvation, how we get to heaven, not a single person is saved based on how they vote. We go to heaven because of Jesus. Now, do I, and we all have personal and strong political opinions? Yes, of course. But it's important to know, as this church, um, in the middle of Boise, Idaho, that how somebody votes has no bearing on whether they're welcome at church. They shouldn't. And even more so, whether they're welcome at the throne of grace. But for the grace of God, go, I'm so God, so glad uh, God accepts me. I have opinions. If you are interested in my opinions, I'd love to have coffee or lunch and talk about them. You're not going to hear it from up here from me. I do believe, I believe wholeheartedly in the sanctity of life and family as God designed it. Man, I believe that stuff. If you've heard one thing from me, you've heard about family since the day we got here. I believe those things are in the Bible. We can have long, drawn-out conversations, you and I, over coffee. And I'm interested in what you think as well. And I do encourage you to vote, and I do encourage you to pray. That's what God would have us do. Because what you believe has value. But above all, friends, my wife says this all the time, we must remember the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Now, one thing I take comfort in is that if someone's political opinion needs to change, it's not really up to me to change it. God can change someone's heart. This morning, we're going to bow our hearts and pray because of what 2 Chronicles 7.14 tells us. If my people, that's us, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I can't answer for someone else's wicked ways, but I can answer for mine. And I can give them to the Lord. Let's pray over it this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that we live... I believe in the best place there's ever been to live. Lord Jesus, we just give this election to you on Tuesday. Lord, we pray that your will would be done in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would put everyone in place that you want in place, keep people from being in place that you don't want in place. Lord, I pray that you would give the people of this church uh, the faith to, to go vote and to pray and believe that your sovereign hand is upon it. And Lord Jesus, I pray that this would be a place that's known for your grace and your mercy. And, Lord, we trust you to change hearts, to change minds. Lord, we trust you if someone gets elected that uh, we think shouldn't be, we trust you to change their heart once they get into office. Lord, we believe in you and the power of your name and that what your word says is true. 
And this morning, we humble ourselves and we seek your face and we turn from our wicked ways as far as we're concerned, Lord Jesus, and we give the entire thing to you. Would you let your will be done on Tuesday? And Lord, as far as we're concerned, would you let us have your peace that passes all understanding? On Tuesday, when people walk into this place to vote, Lord, I pray they would feel something different. And it is not the cookies, it is your presence. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all of it. We commit that day to you. Praise things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying. Man, I encourage you to pray on that day. Now, uh, on to what we're here this morning for eventually, to talk about God's word, right? Um, this morning, we're going to be finishing up our series, His Love Endures Forever. And we've looked at four different psalms. This is the third and final message out of Psalm 34, which was written by David. And we've talked about at the beginning of each of these last two weeks in Psalm 34 about the circumstances surrounding David when he was writing this. Uh, many, many, if you've never been to church, you probably know the story of David and Goliath. David kills the, the massive giant with the smooth stone, cuts the giant's head off with the giant's own sword. For the rest of the background, you'll have to go listen to the podcast or online or Facebook or something for all of the backgrounds. But just what you need to know about what we're reading right here is that David was alone. It had been prophesied that he would be the king of Israel eventually, and he would be. But for now, he's running for his life from his father-in-law, King Saul. And despite those circumstances, because of his strong belief in how God is, David finds reasons to sing. We're just going to cover these last few verses today. I've kind of tried to keep it short on purpose because I knew we had a lot going on. Two weeks ago, we saw that David was singing, and we, as God's people, we can sing because when we call, God answers. We can sing because when we call, God guards and he defends. And we can sing because when we call, God provides for our needs. Taste and see that the Lord is good, it says. Now, right in the middle of the psalm, David takes this short break, and we called it an interlude last week, an interlude to the song. And he took a short break to talk about something that he learned by experience in his life up to this point. Verse 11 told us that uh, David calls us close, and he wants to teach us about this important concept, the fear of the Lord. We found that someone who fears the Lord is someone who loves life. Someone who fears the Lord, uh, they speak in a way that honors God. Remember, David could have said anything he wanted right there. This is how you fear the Lord, and the thing he goes to first is you should speak in a way that honors God. And someone who fears the Lord, they pursue peace. Peace isn't something you just find one time and you stop there. It's something you pursue for your whole life. And that leads us to the final two reasons this morning that David sings in Psalm 34. Two more reasons that we as God's people engage Boise this morning that we can sing. Don't have a ton of time. So we're going to jump right into these last two reasons that as God's people we can sing. This is the reason we sing part three. And we're going to read together this morning Psalm 34, 15 through 22. I'm reading to you uh, the NIV today. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. No, one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants 
No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. First thing, first reason we can sing this morning we see is in verse 15 through 18. We sing because God is close to the brokenhearted. God is close to the brokenhearted. A couple weeks ago, we saw those three reasons we sing. We just kind of recapped them quickly a moment ago. And they all had to do with God coming through for us, guarding and defending, providing for our needs. In verse 15, 16, 17, they continue in that same theme. I love what verse 8 said that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned it a moment ago. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that scripture, and it just hit me a few weeks ago that uh, it helps me understand that God does care about our physical needs on this earth. And I believe that God is always and moving, working on our behalf in ways that we can't see and don't know. And there's things going on in the spiritual realm that we have no idea about. But also, I believe this strongly, that God often moves within the realm of what our five senses can process. He does. He does things that we can taste and see and hear and touch. And verse 15 really lets us know uh, something important. We see throughout the Bible these instances where there is something that we do and there is a response on God's part. If you've been here on Wednesday nights, we've talked about uh, Proverbs 3. And there's six sets of these things in Proverbs 3. If, if we keep God's commands, he prolongs our life. If we keep love and faithfulness like a chain around our neck, which is God's character, then we have favor in the sight of God and man. The very famous verse from Proverbs 3, if we trust in the Lord and we do not lean on our own understanding, he will make our paths straight. There's these things all over the Bible where we do a thing and God responds. Here in verse 15 of Psalm 34, we have something familiar. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. It says there that God's eyes are on us, and his ears are listening to our cry for help. The creator of the universe can see and hear us. And I believe it can kind of make sense to us if we uh, compare it to our relationship with our kids. It was awesome to have our kids in here with us for worship today, have my boys up here with me for a little bit. Not that my love for my kids is as deep as God's love for us. I, this is an amazing thing to me. Somehow, as much as I love my family, and I know for a fact that uh, those in my family, the four in my family, my wife, our daughter Christina, my two boys, I give my life for them in a moment. Somehow, God's love for me and for them is infinitely more than that. I don't know how it's possible, but it is. But when you've got kids, especially young ones, if you know what is good for you, your eyes and ears are attentive to them. If you want your house to not catch fire and burn to the ground, your eyes and your ears better be attentive to your kids. <laughs> Many of you know we moved in uh, to a new house. We'll get an open house on the calendar sometime soon. But uh, we moved into a new house. And, you know, when you move to a new house, everything is different, right? The rooms are in different places. And uh, one thing that's always new is the shower, right? Our boys are nine and seven. They can take their own showers. But all the showers are different. Uh, you know, they turn on different ways. The water temperature works different ways. The doors work different ways. In fact, when Christina came to town, she's 26, she had to poke her head out the bathroom and be like, how do I turn the shower on? <laughs> it is kind of unique. You have to pull this weird thing down. But the boys, they go in there and they take a shower. And uh, it's one of those double slide, one paint slides one way, one paint slides the other way. It's on a little track. You guys have all seen those. And uh, for some reason, one of them kind of comes off easily. And I learned really quickly. You know, you know if you have kids... You know, you can tell by the tone of voice. It's not the words necessarily, but it's the tone of voice. Right? 
So if one of my boys says, hey, dad, I just know they want to tell me something interesting about Pokemon or sports or whatever. If I hear one say, hey, dad, that means I better come quickly, right? My ears better be attentive. And with our shower door, it took them a few weeks to figure out that if they hit it too hard, it'll come off of the track. So every once in a while, I'll hear, dad, and I'll have to go in there, and they'll be soaking wet like little drowned rats holding the shower door. Dad, this thing came off, right? <laughs> if I know it's good for me, my ears better be attentive to them. Each night, I go into the boys' room before we go to sleep. We're late, late go-to-betters, and uh, my eyes and my ears are attentive to my sons. I go in there, you know, and they've, they've got bunk beds, and Luke is taken to letting the dog sleep on his bed. I don't know how we became those people, but he decided the dog was like a large stuffed animal, so he lets the dog sleep on his bed. Once we go out, the dog gets on there. But we go in there, right, and they're sleeping, and the lamp is usually on really soft. My eyes and my ears are attentive to them, right? I walk in, and they're laying there, and I put my hand on their chest. And the reason I do this is because I want to feel their little heart beating, right? And I place my, head, my hand on their forehead usually to make sure they don't have a fever. I make sure their blankets are pulled up. You know, Luke is, uh, he sleeps every which way with, I mean, 50 stuffed animals, literally probably 50 around him with the dog, right? So I got to make sure he's got blankets on. Or if it's hot, I got to make sure they have a fan blowing on them so they sleep well. And why is it that I do this? Why are my eyes and my ears attentive to them? It's because they are my kids. And I love them as deeply as I can love anything. I'm going somewhere with this. I love them as deeply as I can love anything. I talked Wednesday a little bit about our daughter, Christine, if you haven't met her. Um, she's awesome. We adopted her uh, when she was a teenager. Uh, we'd been married about a year, and we adopted this teenage girl into our house. Uh, talked a little bit on Wednesday about how she came live with us when she was 13. And immediately, God did something really incredible. She became our daughter, and we became her parents. And it wasn't a thing we had to, like, fake our way through or be awkward about. It just was that way. We'd pray together every night. Lord, thank you. Christina's our daughter, and we're her parents. And when she was a teenager, man, if anyone sleeps like a rock and can sleep anywhere, it is Christina. She, I mean, part, I don't know why, but, man, that girl can sleep at any time in any place. And I'd go in there, and I would check on her before we went to bed. She nearly always fell asleep with a book. She's the classic book open on her chest with the light on, the book light clipped to it. She'd fall asleep with the thing like on her face. <laughs> so I would go in there, right? And I would turn the book light off and when I would close it. I'd make sure there was a bookmark in it and I would set it uh, on the nightstand next to her, make sure she had blankets pulled up. Sometimes I even feel her forehead. And why is it that I did this? It's because even though she was not born to us, she was our daughter. Now, eyes, my ears, attentive to her cry. Here in verse 15, we see this wonderful idea that God sees us and he's listening for our cry. Sometimes we get so excited about the good part, we miss an important qualifier. You see, it says there that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And what I believe God wants every one of you to know today is that God is attentive to us because we are his children. I'm attentive to my kids because they're my kids. Born to me or not, they're my kids. That's why I'm attentive to them. And God is attentive to us because we are his children. 
And we know that the only way that we are righteous is to accept the grace of Jesus. We can't be good. We can't be righteous on our own. Only the grace of Jesus does that. I became attentive to Christina when she became our daughter. And God becomes attentive to us when we accept Christ. Because you see, when we accept Christ, it's all over the New Testament. We become God's sons and daughters. Just as you and I are attentive to our kids, God, infinitely more, when we are righteous because we accept Christ, is attentive to us. He's attentive to our cry when we're righteous. We also see in verse 16 that the opposite is true. If God is divinely attentive to us when we are righteous, when we become his kids, then he also is against those who do evil. So much so, uh, we don't want to give the evil they do today, so we're not going to talk a ton about it, but so much so, he's so against those who do evil that by his great power, it says there, it will be forgotten that they ever existed. So all the evil you see on this earth, one day no one will remember their name. Because God is that strong and God is that powerful. But you see this, the goodness of God is such that even the most evil have a chance to make themselves righteous by accepting Christ up until their last moments. I don't think we're going to like it, but we're probably going to see people in heaven that um, we didn't think were going to make it. Verse 17 puts it even more plainly. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. You see, when we, the righteous, is his people, when we call out to God, he comes to our rescue. This old song, Pastor Armie is probably saying, I called, he answered, and he came to my rescue again. It's not that old. It's like early 2000s. Seems old to me. <laughs> but God is listening for our call just as we listen for a call for help from those that we love. Just as we are listening for the call of our kids when the shower door falls on them. God comes to our rescue. Lord, Lord, help. That's just exactly what we prayed for for Megan. He's attentive to our call, and he heard our prayer today. And now we're coming, though, to the reason that we sing. Verse 18. Man, I love this verse. I, I've prayed it, and I've sent it to people over and over again. Verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let that sink in. He's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, all those tangible things we've been talking about the past few weeks, the things that we can taste and we can see, the fact that God himself sees and hears us, all of that points towards the inescapable truth of verse 18 to me. God is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And friends, if you're here this morning and you hear that verse read out loud and your heart like nearly jumps out of your chest because those words describe you, you are crushed. You are brokenhearted. You need to know something this morning. And that's this, that when something is broken, the one who made it is the only one that truly knows how it goes back together. And this morning, if you're here, friends, and your heart is broken, the one who made you is the one who knows how to put it back together. The creator of the universe also made you down to the very hairs on your head, and he knows how to put you back together. If you walk out of here remembering one thing, remember that if your heart is broken, God is close by today. He is not far.
But we also need to understand that there's a deeper layer to this. See, at first hearing, it's really easy to in interpret this wonderful verse that's beautiful and poetic simply as God is close to those who are hurting. And he, it's absolutely true. He absolutely is close to those who are hurting. But I want to give you a couple more scriptures that I think fit right alongside this one and give us a little more insight and context. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And that sounds mighty close to crushed and broken in spirit, doesn't it? You see, once we start to add a little more context, I think we can see that if we, as God's people, if we want to be close to God, if we want him to show us favor, if we want to inherit the kingdom of God, then our heart must be broken. And our spirit must be humble. And the truth that we can't escape is that God is close to the crushed in spirit and the brokenhearted. If he's close to those things, then that's what we should be. And it manifests itself in two ways as we live our lives on this earth. When it comes to being someone that is brokenhearted, like verse 18 talks about, it just means that we identify with the heart of Jesus. And that our hearts break for the same things that break Jesus' heart. And what breaks Jesus' heart is people who do not know him, who have not accepted his grace. The things that break the heart of Christ are those who are downtrodden. And when it comes to being someone who is humble or poor in spirit, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, it just means that our heart is always bowed to Jesus who is on the throne. It means that we understand every day that our very life flows from Jesus. And we understand that the way to heaven is not by telling everyone how great we are, but the way to heaven is by living with the servant's heart. So friends, we sing because God is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the brokenhearted because of the pain they face in this life. And he's close to those who identify with the heart of servanthood that Jesus showed when he gave his life for us. Finally, the last, last section of verses, the last part of this entire series on Psalms, we see this, that we sing because his love endures forever. This is an absolutely perfect few verses to close out this series. And I just want to, now I just want to say God is so good because when I started this series, I had it loosely mapped out. I had a pool of probably like eight or ten Psalms that I was considering. But I hadn't decided which one, I was, uh, which one I would end with. Therefore, I didn't know what the last verses would be. But it's a beautiful way, these scriptures, to wrap up all that we've talked about over this last couple months. One of the most wonderful things about the word of God is if you read it, you read the Old Testament, is that all creation points to the coming of Jesus. They might not have known that when they wrote it down, but all creation points to the coming of Jesus. And when David wrote down this last stanza, he didn't know that God was going to send his only son to redeem us from our sin and shame. David didn't know that, but here is what he wrote in verse 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants 
No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Friends, this morning in this place, we need to understand that the reason God's love endures forever is because of his son, Jesus. The reason we can sing his love endures forever is because of his son, Jesus. Verse 19, it kind of doubles down on what David said earlier. Living a life that is righteous, it's not a guarantee of having no trouble. If only it was that easy. But it is a guarantee that God will fight for us. Living a life that is righteous is a guarantee that God will, God will fight for you. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it in verse 19. Psalm 34, 19, the NLT says this. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. And you see, because he sent Christ to live in our hearts, the spirit of the almighty God, the creator of the universe, it's with us every moment. You see, friends, we can sing this morning. Christ alone, my cornerstone. God, you reign above it all. We can sing those things because his love endures forever. I know I'm not alone in feeling like this world is spinning out of control at times. And if you look very closely, you can find things that are unspeakably evil. But listen to how God's love endures forever here, verse 21. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. Look at what that scripture says. The very thing that those who do not follow God put their trust in, evil, will be exactly what God uses to defeat them in the end. Evil will slay the wicked. And the foes of the righteous, and make no mistake, friends, when you've accepted Christ, when you've become one of his sons and daughters, the foes of the righteous, that means us when we accept Jesus. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. NLT says this, those who hate the righteous will be punished. We're almost done today, but you see, friends, we sing because his love endures forever. If you came in here today or you're listening online and you are desperately wondering how to escape the pain and struggle that this life can bring, you need to hear just the blazing truth of verse 22. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. See, friends, if you need a refuge today, you need to know that God sent a redeemer for each and every one of us. His name is Jesus. He's here to bring salvation to us today. You see, everything that David wrote down in the Psalms it points to this. In a world that is broken, it's becoming more and more broken each day, God sent Jesus to be our rescuer. And we sing because his love endures forever. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to get ready to sing in a moment. I want to read you one more scripture. It's not on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5.21. If you're struggling to understand how you can be good enough to go to heaven, here's what God says. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, he sent Jesus to live a life with no sin that he might become sin for us that we could be holy. 
enjoying God in heaven. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, we're going to sing here in a moment. We're going to close this series by singing Christ alone, our cornerstone. But if you're here this morning and you feel the Lord moving on your heart, you weren't sure what it is you felt when you walked into this place, but you know now it's the Lord moving on your heart. And you walk, when you walked into this place, you were not a son or daughter of God because you've never accepted Christ, but you're in this place and you want to accept him today. The word of God says that uh, we just accept Christ into our heart. We call upon him and we become part of God's family. The way we represent that in the church is we say a prayer together. We ask God to forgive us of our sins by the power of his son Jesus and he washes us clean just as we celebrated with communion earlier. But if that's you this morning, and you're not a Christian, whether you once were and you're far from him now or you've never accepted him before, and this is one of the first times you've ever heard this. If you're here this morning, you need to accept Christ, become a Christian. When I count to three, just me looking around, when I count to three, would you raise your hand so we can pray together? One, two, three. Thank you. Raise your hands if you'd like to. Thank you. And we're going to say a prayer this morning, friends. And uh, I'm going to ask all of you to repeat after me. If you're in this place and you repeat this prayer and it's the first time you've ever said it, and you ask God to forgive you of your sins, uh, he's making you new and you're becoming a Christian today. Everyone in the place, even if, of course, if you're a Christian, you're just agreeing with those uh, who are accepting God today. Would you say, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Today, I believe in you. I believe you came to earth. You lived a life with no sin, and you died, and you rose again. Today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I accept you into my heart. Praise things in your name. Amen. Friends, if you said that prayer for the first time, or maybe the tenth time, and you meant it in your heart, you're now a Christian, and there's a party going on in heaven today. Uh, would you stand? And we're going to sing this morning, just close this series, close this day by singing, He's our cornerstone, and then I'll come up and dismiss you.